This content is suitable for curious and objective listeners and viewers only. User discretion is advised. You know, they say if you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you go. Again, I was super resentful as a, as a kid going to high college. Like, I had no path. I had no idea what the hell I wanted to do, what I wanted to study. Just, I just knew I had to go. I learned, dude, life is, life is too short to do shit you do not want to do. There he is. <laughs> Joey Darsh in the building. <laughs> Slice him and dice him. <laughs> my guy, my guy. I'm sorry the, the wall behind me is a little bare. I'm, I'm leaving this apartment. So a little, uh, little bit of bittersweet emotions going, going through my head right now. What, what's, your, what's your fondest memory? being in that apartment in this apartment oh man man my roommates just the the random conversations that we'll have in the middle of the workday um you know i actually i actually met austin at the university of florida and him and i just became you know super close as soon as as soon as we met there and kept in touch and um he's like dude we should live together in new york and i was like it's a no-brainer um, and, and, you know, we've been together, me, him and his brother have been together for the last two years um, in New York City. And the amount of the amount that that we've discussed and learned and talked about from business, politics, philosophy, it's just like it was like a kind of like a street MBA in and of itself. So um, just just the, the bullshitting. <laughs> so what's what's one conversation that stuck out to you that? In like five years, when you guys meet back up for your weekly dinners, you're like, yo, remember that one time we had that one talk about that one thing? Oh, man. Oh, my God. Oh, without question, Austin mentioned this thing to me a couple of years ago, which just like literally like the first couple of months that we lived together just blew my mind, which was the, uh, the law of paradoxical intent. Right. So when you want money, you don't get it. When you desire sleep, you don't get it. When you want sex, you don't get it. When you want all of these things, it's like you're fighting so hard for that thing that you kind of just forget all of the things that you need in between that A to Z to get you to from A to Z. Um, and the law of paradoxical intent is just like, forget these like ambitious desires. And just focus on the day to day, the things that make you happy, the things that you can implement with good habit, um, the things that you practice day in and day out. And then all those things that you really did subconsciously want, they kind of come to you. So the law of paradoxical intent, just like stop focusing on the end, like, you know, have a, have a goal in mind, but don't only focus and fixate on that thing. Make sure you're doing all the right things, um, you know, the day to day and, and, just focus on being yourself, being happy, and all those things will come. That's a crazy, that's a crazy, that's a good one. That's basically saying a fancy way of saying if you focus on the shine before the grind, you ain't gonna get there. <laughs> but it's almost like the same thing as luck. You know, luck is nothing but what you've been doing, what you've been focusing on, all catching up with the timing. <laughs> and, Dude, and then that, you have that word, that word luck is, it's so, ah, uh, it's such a beautiful thing and it's such an ugly thing, right? Because I think some people ride luck's coattails and, 
and forget that, you know, there is the hard work and the discipline and sacrifice and focus that go into making you lucky. But, um, you know, to quote literally the title of one of my favorite books of all time, Fooled by Randomness, like, don't be fooled by randomness. Know the variables that got you to where you got. And if you may, had a massive win, make sure you know why you won. You know, was it because of the right things or did it just fall into your lap? Um, and, you know, there, there's always going to be the Mark Zuckerbergs, the Elon Musks and um, these these kind of like young prodigies that we all aspire to be. But, you know, they're they literally are one in a billion. Um, and, and the rest of us, we can we can aspire and shoot for the moon um, and have very successful lives. But um, who knows the, the chance uh, that that luck or the role that luck played in, in those, in those, those, those lives that they, that they have. It's, it's luck is a, it's a fascinating thing, but like, you know, you, you, you can make your own luck or you can just kind of sit back and let life happen to you, which I don't think, you know, you and I those people aren't lucky though. Do, do, do well. <laughs> yeah. I don't think those people are lucky in my opinion, because luck is just concentrated intention in my opinion. You know, because, yes, Mark Zuckerberg is lucky to meet the people, but it's because he was intentional on building his resume and working in computers and having a passion, always be on the lookout, because here's the thing, everyone goes to college. So everyone is like, it's not like he's one in a billion. You're like, there's mad people at Harvard. You know, there's mad people at all these other schools. Not everyone at these schools are actually trying to be on something productive, <laughs> Not everyone is on that type of time. Not everyone is prepared to go into college. I did had no, like, some people are seriously prepared to go. Like, I give a perfect example of not, in our fraternity, like Isaac Hetzroni. You know what I'm saying? He literally had a whole full-fledged business coming into freshman year of college. And I was like, yo, and I thought I was doing some shit, like running like a franchise of a business but they're supporting me. Like he has his own shit. I'm like, that's, that's, there's levels. <laughs> and it's because you look at his, but you look at his background, he was prepared, you know, and he took advantage of that though. At the same time, that's not even some people say that's privilege. Everyone has a relative privilege, but not everyone taps into that privilege, you know, because your privilege might be, you have access to materials. My privilege might be talent. Your privilege might be looks, you know, you know, I mean, smart, but you just have looks. Everyone has a certain type of privilege. You may be, you may think I'm not the best looking person, but I have charisma. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think, I think you're beautiful. I, I, I wouldn't say, uh, <laughs> but I love how within the first few minutes of this, we've already covered 40 different topics, but. Yeah. Uh, because I think we're, we're, I want to get your, your feedback on when did you start thinking like this? <laughs> It's man, uh, like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll start from the beginning when I, you know, my, my dad is from, from Israel, controversial place to talk about right now, but he is from there. Uh, my mom is from New York. Uh, they met at 14 and 16. Um, you know, not in, in today's age, you're literally a, still a baby, you know, and they met, they kept in touch. They started, they moved to the, this country, started a family um, had my sister and then had me and, you know, we grew up very modest beginnings in, in South Florida. 
which I'm very fortunate and thankful for because of the diverse, the diversity that I was exposed to so early on, you know, all my friends from literally every corner of the world. Um, but you know, I was a, I was a shithead. I was a bad kid. I was just a bad kid. Like, I don't know what it was just maybe hyperactivity. I just, I wanted to, to more and more to do as much as possible as very inquisitive, you know, climbing up things and you know, backflips off of trees and, and all the dangerous shit that kids should be doing, but may not be doing now because of video games, but that's a topic for another, another day. But, you know, I was just, I think my mind was just running so quickly at such a young age and I just didn't know where to focus it. Um, I, I didn't play any sports. I just ran around the neighborhood and played video games and, um, you know, and then in middle school got lucky enough to fall into a crowd that introduced me to football and basketball and baseball and soccer and everything, you know, and then, you know, wrestling here and there. And then um, kind of this like light, just like, light bulb popped in my head. Um, there's a, there's, you're, you're either going to like kind of stay in this neighborhood or life for the rest of your life, or there has to be like a momentous change. And I, 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 dude, my, my parents didn't go to school. Most of the people in my neighborhood didn't go to go to school. I had no idea, but I knew that to get out of this situation that I had to work really hard and get really good grades to get out. There's a very simple, equation work hard get straight a's get the fuck out um and you know freshman year straight a's sophomore year straight a's junior year i think i got a b and then senior year after i had gotten into the university of florida i kind of like tapered off a little bit but it was because i was there were so many things on my plate it was you know i joke with friends now it's almost like <clears throat> i peaked too soon <laughs> Because um, I, I wrestled, I had, you know, a very serious girlfriend, I was um, a food runner and a bar back, um, you know, working at, at Shooter's Cafe in Fort Lauderdale, it was my first job ever. And then um, just so National Honor Society, so many things on my plate, and it was I was just overloading myself because I knew I wanted to change, I knew I wanted something different in my life. And then when I got to Florida, it was just like, you know, I had just been exposed to this whole new environment, this whole, whole new world. And, and the first thing that I remember, right, growing up, I was kind of under the impression that to become wealthy, you had to do two things. You had to be lucky or you had to screw somebody over, you know, screw someone out of the deal and, and take their money. And it's kind of got to be like a one sided, lopsided deal. But when I met all of these kids at the University of Florida, where the majority of them, at least in Greek life, you know, came from from, um, you know, affluent backgrounds, they were all phenomenal people. They were all great. They were all kind, smart, intellectual, charismatic. They cared about you. You know, they asked about you. They wanted to learn about you. And, and, and there was this like inquisitiveness that was just there. I don't know if it was because of school or whatever, but that immediately changed my mind about, about like kind of like wealth accumulation. I'm like, look, you don't have to be lucky. You don't have to be an asshole. You just have to be a good person. And to quote one of my best friends, Tyler Eastridge, he always says, <clears throat> money doesn't buy happiness. Happiness buys money. So I learned quickly, you know, you got to be happy. Got to take care of yourself, take care of your, 
of your mentals um, to quote Marshawn Lynch. And, and then, and then, you know, the, the sky's the limit. You just take off from there. So being, being an adult now, looking back on yourself, like, I know you said, eh, I don't know. Like, why was a shithead? Like, why do you, you kind of know, like, why do you, why do you think you were a shithead in your opinion? And, and then what made you realize this is not the move and let me, let me completely 360 that, you know, for me, like I was A's and B's and then, but I didn't listen a couple of times. I got one ass whooping in the shower and <laughs> evaluate like, yo, okay. And, I, and, and you know what? But looking back on it though, like, did I really deserve that? No. Was my mom probably stressed out because of work? Probably. So did I get it crazy? But you know it just so happened that that one for me did it. And I was like, you know what? Let me, let me switch up my game and let me reevaluate what I'm doing to a certain extent. Sure. sure. Um, man, I don't even know if I want to tell this story cause it's just was bad. You know, we, we, we got into some trouble. Um, two of my best friends and I, uh, we got into some trouble like in eighth grade. Um, and, I think that was kind of the inflection point um, or at least a catalyst for the inflection point. I, you know, I was just being mischievous maybe because it was the lack of, I don't know, focus in, in something like that causes a gritty discipline, which is sport. That's why I love sports because it focuses, it, it teaches you all of the, the hardest things in, uh, in life in such a short period of time, how to be coached, how to push through adversity, how to win. You know, I, I didn't have those things until high school. So I, I was just mischievous and I did bad shit. I got in trouble, came home and, and same thing. I got, I got my ass whooped. Like, you know, one of those that you just don't yeah. forget. Memorable. <laughs> you know, signature. Yeah, yeah. signature. Yeah. You just, <laughs> yeah. you know, you lose your breath for a little bit and, and, and kind of like, it was just like, I think my, my brain had developed enough at that point to be like, all right, Joe, there's gotta be some type of behavioral change. Um, and, you know, and, and, and just, I realized being in trouble, it just wasn't fruitful. It, it hurts your reputation. It hurts your, your mindset. So I was fortunate enough to get out of that, whatever, again, whatever it may be, but probably that ass whooping and, and also just realizing, you know, that, I, I wanted more. I, I wanted, I wanted to learn. I wanted to grow. I wanted to meet new people. And, um, and I got, I got super lucky, man. Like, again, you know, I was saying I, I got into trouble a lot. I was getting into fights and ironically enough was getting my ass kicked. And then I was like, there's gotta be a way to not get my ass kicked. How do I not lose these fights? You know, long story short, uh, my coach from Coral Springs high school, coach Jacobs, you know, comes up to a bunch of us in the locker room. He hears us chatting about fighting and he goes, you know where every fight ends up, right? And we're all like, uh, no. He's like, ends up on the ground. How do you get, how do you take somebody down? How about you guys come into the room and I show you, you know, so like 10 of us roll in freshman year. Um, we don't know anything about wrestling. Uh, double leg takedown, single leg takedown, front headlock, any of that shit, you know, any of the folk style basics. And, you know, we realize this is brutal. This is so hard. 
you lose five pounds of water in a couple of hours. You have to cut weight. You have to run. I never did any of these things before. Um, I never had, had teammates, never had a coach yelling at me. And those were the most transformative years of my life. So I, I, I have to give a lot of praise and credit to coach Jacobs and coach Hank um, as well. Those, those two guys, man, they kicked my ass, but I needed it. I, you know, I, in, you know, between 14 and 18, you think the whole world is against you, right? Like, why me? Why is this so hard? Why, you know, you get turned down by one girl and, you know, you never want to talk, ask another girl out on a date ever again at that age. But you just have to realize it's just, you know, it's just part of being a team. But, uh, yeah, those wrestling years and you know, just getting shaped by pain, getting my ass kicked, really, you know, pushed forward the momentum of you know i i think where i am now uh, I, I wish if i can go back if i can tell myself at i don't know when i started listening to people probably 14 mm-hmm. you know i think you lose kind of that like baby egocentrism you, you hit like 14 15 people start to talk to you and you're like all right i kind of understand what's going on read not just about what you're passionate about, but read the anti-library, read everything, learn mm-hmm. about shit that you didn't even know existed because then it opens up a Pandora's box of something that's, you didn't even know you loved, but you do love, you know, I, how do you know without randomly stumbling upon some crazy ass book that you want to, you want to go to China to learn how to make dumplings or you want to go to South Africa to cage dive. Like you don't know those things unless maybe YouTube shows you them, but the more you read and the more you just kind of open yourself up to new experiences, the more the brain just expands and you just, I mean, that's the difference between those, between the, those at the top and those at the bottom, the ones at the top, they just want to keep fucking expanding this thing in their head. Books. You could download decades of data in hours. (laughs) Like, that's the only way you can do that. Barriers of entry, barriers of entry. And books are barriers of, of, of entry to people who are unaware of the power of the books. And that's why in society, you get recommended what classes to, to take, but not what books to read. You know, that's the real, that's the real thing that's crazy is like in a, capitali- in a capitalistic society, the way it's supposed to work as things advance, we advance with the times. And then as things, there's, there becomes more, but since we're all so skilled, we all have so much value, the prices go down. And there's still tears and whatnot, and, whatnot, and everyone eats, but, we're, but we've never been that if we really wanna be real about it. <laughs> and it's really like people like me, people who look like us are now really getting a chance to understand the, the behind the curtains. You get to see behind the veil. You know, like for, for instance, you, you mentioned how Greek life taught you how, you know, like rich people are like nice, whatnot, right? For me, it told me joining a fraternity, like it showed me how they are intentional about plugging themselves into positions and they're intentional about support and they're intentional about effort. And you know what I'm saying? They're, it was like calculated. Like for me, I saw it was like, okay, like that's how you every couple of years you see someone in our fraternity becoming tapped into the most prestigious honor society. I would have never even known any of that stuff had I not joined the fraternity of like even that's possible or anything like that. 
You know what I'm saying? And it's and it's exposure. And Nate, it's like the, it goes and it goes back. That's a you know such a phenomenal point. It goes back to psychology 101, nature versus nurture. Like, what are you born with before you come out, you know, onto this planet? And what do you learn as we progress, you know, throughout our lifetime? And that's the nurture part, right? What do you learn? And your environment nurtures you into who you become, right? So if you surround yourself with people who love the quick dopamine fix, the easy route, you know, drugs, alcohol, uh, partying, um, non-productive things, video games, and um, all of those things, you, it starts to deteriorate you, right? But when you're surrounded by, you know, like, like, like the brothers that we had, people who go into law and engineering and medicine and philosophy and business um, and sports. Thanks. It expands, it expands your mind. So it's, it expands your network and, and all of these different parts of your life start to accelerate because your environment is nurturing you to become a better version of yourself. So I mean, I remember when I was in, in high school, I was like, I would never join a fraternity. Those guys are douchebags. You know, they don't they don't do anything but party. And don't get me wrong. We partied. We partied yeah. really hard. But th- the, some of the longest lasting relationships that I have to this day are because of the memories we formed and the conversations that we had, you know, almost a decade ago now. So your environment, your environment's everything. Your environment is everything. Who you show me, you know, the, the age old quote, show me your friends and I'll tell you exactly who you are. So like in high school, right? What was your thought process on? Because for me, you know, in our community, it's kind of like, all right, I'm trying to be some type of something with sports. You know what I'm saying? So like for you, since sports really wasn't, it was more, it shaped you into becoming like a man and more mature. So what was your thought process on what am I going to do after high school? Man. So like I said, I had worked really hard to get the, the grades that I got. And um, did your parents profession inspire you or did you even had no interest in what they did? So my, my, my mom, um, my mom and dad, you know, blue collar, hard workers, um, you know, my, my dad is, is, uh, he's in metal fabrication and, and he welds. Um, but you know, in my opinion, he's the greatest welder in the world. Some of the things that he put together were magnificent, you know, like things that like machines can't do. And, and he, t- you know, I, I worked with him a lot, you know, hammering, metal cutting you know wood and steel and pouring concrete and all that shit um but he's like i'm showing you this because i don't want you to do it i'm showing you this because i want you to learn that there's this is really hard work and that if you apply your brain power as opposed to your back power to making to getting things done you're going to be you you can go so much further so I think it's kind of like him showing me and exposing me to that really hard shit was like, don't do this. Let me show you what not to do. Do this instead. 
So I, again, I was just super resentful as a, as a kid going to high college. Like I had no path. I had no idea what the hell I wanted to do, what I wanted to study. Just, I just knew I had to go. I just knew that I had to go. And, and then when I went, I, I started studying um, civil engineering, which still to this day, like, I, I don't know if I could, if I'd be able to do it again, like get into UF as a civil engineer, like, no, I, I don't think I would, but I, I did. And I got, I got crushed. I failed super quickly. <laughs> um, you need to be, you need to have a calculus background. You need to have a chemistry background, physics background. You need to understand to some level thermodynamics and chemistry. And before all that, you needed to really love it. To do that, you need to really love that. And you, to your point, it's like, I'm glad you're sharing because it shows that, yo, you like, you got to be intentional with this college shit. <laughs> you know what I, I'm saying? I, 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 like, like, a million percent. Like, if you're coming to college now because we know, like, degrees are not security. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Degrees are not security. And the, the thing is, they never have been. They have never been the thing where it's like, if you get it, you're secured employment. I want to, I want to say, I want to, I want to make a point about college, right? So I can, I can say, I'm going to go with the con before I go with the pro. Mm -hmm. I'll say the bad before the good. When I, when I graduated from school until now, I can tell you with full confidence that I have learned more useful information through random books and podcasts than I have through college. Now, do I say skip college, go straight into podcasts and books and try a business and see where it goes? To be honest with you, no. I still think you should go to school for the networking ability, for the ability to, even if that piece of paper is expensive and it doesn't do you shit for the rest of your life, on average, college graduates make about a million dollars more in their lifetime. And that's because of the grit and the discipline and the focus that they obtain while studying for whatever class it is. I took food science and history of rock and roll. And to be quite honest with you, those are the two classes I remember most stuff from. But, you know, accounting, finance and chemistry, you know, chemistry I took because of um, engineering and finance and accounting because of uh, the degree I ended up graduating with. Those are extremely important pillars of your life that you don't learn in high school. Nobody teaches you how to balance a checkbook, how to pay taxes, how to invest in real estate, how to calculate net present value and future cash flows. Those are things you learn in school. It depends your major, though. Because sure. as sports management, we didn't learn all that. <laughs> I learned that through my sales job. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So I think I agree with you that college is definitely a boost because the real reason why they make a lot more is because they know a lot more people you know a lot more people if you went to college and you realize that you have to network you know that's the thing like most people go to college don't realize that networking is part of the is part of the requirement you know what i'm saying so people aren't even like you would you say you were always sociable would you say you're introvert or extrovert You, you know, you could ask everyone who knows me, they're going to tell you I'm an extrovert, but I, I love being alone. 
I love my quiet time. I love being able to regenerate. And I think as I get older, I realize, shit, maybe I have been an introvert this whole time. But naturally, if I see someone on the side of the road wearing something or drinking something that I know anything about, I'm going to strike up a conversation because you never know what you're going to learn. And you never know a friend that you might make or, you know, just those random events that you have to be open for. But you know, you and I are super lucky because we are sociable people. We like to talk to people. And at the University of Florida, which is a, uh, an SEC school, which I think focuses heavily on partying. And, and yeah, people, we got lucky. But, you know, there, there are kids that, that go to school just to get the paper and, and forget that the most important part is meeting those people, meeting those friends. Uh, joining the clubs that in high school you probably would have made fun of for joining. That's, that's the major key. Like <laughs> you have to join these associations and because those are where the connections are, because here's the reason why I also give a lot of pushback to college. When let's say I'm in sports management, right? No one, none of my professors have been a sports manager. <laughs> <laughs> so none of them have managed anything sports related, not a yeah. GM, not a, not a coach, not a not a former player to balance a checkbook, not a agent, not a attorney. None of them have lived a day in the life of my career. So what what's the intrinsic value for me? So for me, like, and I was a, I'm an introvert naturally. Like I'm at the crib, bro. Like no one, I'm not outside, you know, because I'm in learn growth mode, right? But when I was in college. I, I could flip the script. You know what I'm saying? And cause I knew after I did sales, you know, not college related, I knew like once I did sales, I was like, yo, I need, you need to know a lot of people. So to know people. So I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll, tell you kind of, I'll tell you kind of my, my sales story, not, not to cut you off. I mean, I go because I want to tie it into what you're saying. I started door to door selling chocolate covered strawberries when I was in middle school. I watched Food Network. I met my favorite chef of all time, Alton Brown, Good Eats, guy's a man. Um, and he taught how to make chocolate-covered strawberries. So I go, you know what? I'm going to make chocolate-covered strawberries, and I'm going to go door-to-door door selling them. I knocked on probably 100 doors, and I think I might have sold five. But in that experience, what happens is you're learning to shut that rejection that fear of rejection down because there's no time for that shit. When you're knocking on doors, people are coming to the door and being like, what do you want? And you have to start talking. I've got a cooler full of chocolate covered strawberries that I made hand, you know, they're fresh, organic, uh, dipped in dark chocolate. You know, this is shit I knew back then because I loved, I still love food. And, and I ended up selling these things and it, it, it turned on my mind onto like, what, what is sales? What, what is sales, right? Like you hear this term, revenue, forward revenue, cost of goods sold, free cash, profit margin, marginability, all this shit, right? But sales to a fundamental level is a transaction between two parties. I have a good, you have cash or now Bitcoin, whatever the fuck it is. Um, Let's trade and I take your money and you take the good and this happens now on, uh, you know, I digress because this happens a million times a day now, even more so because of credit cards. 
But when I graduated from Florida, I said, for me to be wealthy, like the rest of these people around me, I have to join a bank. I have to do banking. So I got into banking. I went into Deutsche Bank and I failed again. I got my ass handed to me. I had no idea, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to be trading stocks. Yeah. So explain, explain, explain first how you got the interview, because that's very important. I think, sure. I think what's dope is, let me give you my perspective, right? I would have had no, I would have said, there's no fucking way a dude who majored in food and science could work at Deutsche Bank. You know what I'm saying? And the average person, the normal person would be like, that's not, that's not happening. So if you go back into my LinkedIn and Facebook posts, you know, I was like, F this, F that. I did this all on my own. I got Deutsche Bank because there were two older brothers of mine in, in my fraternity that were at Deutsche Bank. And they took my resume and they said, you know, we know you study some random ass uh, whatever, but we know you, you know, we know you're inquisitive and you like to learn and and you're a hard worker. So how about you come join us? So I got the interview for Deutsche Bank. I don't even remember how it happened. There was a couple of phone calls. They got me the job and I moved to Jacksonville. Right. Um, Wait, so before you continue, so like the phone calls, what are they talking about? Like, dude, I don't even remember. (laughs) Oh my dude. It was, it was so long ago. Like, I don't even remember. It was, it was so like, what was your GPA? Uh, what are you, what excites you about banking? Um, like just, I don't even remember. It wasn't even a hard, like, like, again, I I got, I got lucky. Like I got lucky because I know, I know how to bullshit. All right. So so let's say, let's say I worked really hard and I got the job. And before, wait, before that, right. So why did you join the fraternity? Because so, you're anti-fraternity in high school. Like, what made you decide to join the fraternity? I, I remember going to Gainesville summer 2011, you know, summer B, um, the famed summer B. And I, I met, you know, a couple of great guys, Max and Dennis. And, um, you know, we became so close. And then, like, we kind of start getting pitched. We get sold. You know, you got to join this frat. You got to join this frat. And at the time, uh, we were told by by the girls that, that SIGEP was a great one. So we joined it. And, uh, you know, six months ago, the same me would have been like, absolutely not. But I had opened my mind just because I was in a new environment with new people, with new goals and dreams and aspirations. And it was one of the greatest decisions of my life because it's that, that I couldn't imagine the butterfly effect of like not joining and what would have happened after that. So now I want to fast forward because we talked about luck right earlier. Sure. So I said it was intentional matching up with timing, right? You were yes. intentional about you want to be successful. You want to be successful. You didn't know how. Mm-hmm. Now, because you know in the back of your mind you just want to be successful, you know that, all right, your success is relative to what you are, what's going on in the moment. And your success was like, all right, I want some status and I want a good time. Oh. And then that translates to now you getting lucky, which is not lucky. Cause so a lot of, a lot of what I'm saying is, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of like self bashing and telling myself that a lot of it is luck, but I was playing in traffic, right. As my, as my roommate Austin says, like I was playing in traffic and I got hit by car. 
I was working really hard, surrounded by people that were working really hard. I wanted to be successful. I didn't know where it was going to take me or what it was going to do. But the fundamental principles were I was working hard. I was reading. I was doing the things I needed to do on time. And I got the interview. Um, I interviewed with a lot of companies. I, and, and I didn't get the job because I wasn't intentional about joining that company. But there was something in me that just knew I needed to be at Deutsche Bank. And, and the reason why this is important is two things, three things. I moved to a new city completely alone, right? Like Gainesville, I knew some people before I got there, but Jacksonville was completely alone. And I was fortunate enough to get a call from, you know, our close boy Griffin and said, Hey, I need a roommate. Griffin taught me how I, I hated Jacksonville. Like I despised every moment of it. I hated the office. I hated how quiet it was, but, but it's on a beach and Griffin taught me how to surf. So I learned how to surf. <laughs> hey, I, I got out of a relationship that took up about half of my time at university of Florida. And that was pain, hell, brutal hell. But I, it needed to happen because she needed to grow and I needed to grow. And we needed two different paths. We were going down two different paths and not to mention, you know, I wasn't um, like, you know, not, I'm not going to go into that, but <laughs> <laughs> you are ready. You are ready. I didn't know what I wanted. And, and, yeah. and that taught me, you know, through pain, how to be a better person, how to treat people better. And, and, and third, I learned, dude, life is, life is too short to do shit you do not want to do. I got into banking and I learned in a week and a half that this was not what I wanted to do. Um, I love numbers. I love money. I love finance and accounting, but I don't like the back office of cranking in data and doing all this shit that makes a bank more money and just yeah, suck so Give us some game though. Like, what is it? Like, what do you, like, what was your, what was your position in like, what, what goes into it? So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what I did from a high level. My title was global equities and derivatives operations analyst. Let me tell you what that really means. A global equity and a derivative is an option, which is attached to a stock. When those stocks are traded on the market, in the stock market, there are secondary derivatives that are longs and shorts and buys and calls that price with time value where those stocks end up. I studied this shit for so long and I, I, I worked in it and I still don't understand it fully. So like, sorry if I'm messing it up, but like I was the person who was making sure that these trades, these monster multi-billion dollar block trades through PIMCO and Deutsche Bank and Bank of America and JP Morgan, when they were getting placed, that they were being booked properly on the back end. Um, and I couldn't wrap my head around it. I, I couldn't learn the systems. I, it was maybe because I didn't want to, maybe it's because I was going through breakup. Maybe it was because the suit and tie life just, it never was me. It was never who I was. But I was fortunate enough to learn that. And I think that there's some people who stay in that industry and they never learn that. Um, deep down, they know. They just, they just don't want to take the leap into, you know, into doing things on their own. But so to give you a little bit more kind of in the nuts and bolts of, nuts and bolts of banking, these monsters 
Deutsche Bank, Wells Fargo, Chase, JP Morgan, um, Citibank, all of these big names that you've heard through the wire at some point, they control, I'm going to say like 80% of the monetary wealth in this country because people bank. But they use mechanical finance to continue to grow their balance sheets while people below them, 99.9% of the country, are just kind of like living paycheck to paycheck. So what I learned while working at a bank is be a bank, operate like a bank, have your money make you money, take your money, invest it and have the compound interest grow it the same way a bank grows its money, as opposed to thinking in terms of, oh, you know what? Those shoes are really dope. That car is really nice. That bag is really nice. These are all external factors that you're buying just to tell people, hey, look at me. I've got all this money. But what you're really showing people with real money is that you don't know how to handle your money. So I learned from a, from a very early age, like the wealthiest people on the planet in one of my favorite finance books of all time. And probably the number one book I recommend to, to your viewers is the millionaire next door. This guy set out. This guy set out to try and meet millionaires. So he was looking for Ferraris and 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 Lambos and big houses, but they were all in debt. They didn't have money. The millionaires were driving F one fifty. That's the number one purchase car by self made millionaires in this country. F one fifty. Number two is, I think it's like a Lexus, like Lexus GS, whatever. Wealth does not show you that it's wealthy. So that was kind of the first lesson I learned. Like, you know, you want to buy these suits and you want to buy these fancy things, but like, if it's not developing your mind, it's not bringing you happiness, it's not growing you, or it's not like making you rest. Like what the, what the, what the fuck are you doing it for? You're doing it for other people. And I'll tell you one thing, the quickest route to whatever the opposite of unhappiness is, is, is trying to, trying to make other people happy. And, I know I'm circling, but I met a kid named Jesse there. We became boys and he goes, Joe, you need to listen to podcasts. I'm like, why? He goes, you need to listen to the investor podcast, TIP. If you want to have your mind blown on what personal finance is, different asset classes, how debt works, how credit cycles work, how cryptocurrency works, you need to listen to the investors podcast. These guys will make all of the most complex financial terms like, like sports terms. Like you'll understand them within a couple of months. So I listen to these guys. I moved to Colorado and I start knocking on doors and, and doing sales there. I literally started selling door to door again. You know, it's kind of time is a flat circle. And the coolest thing that I learned knocking on doors was Jamie Foxx told in an interview that his ability to speak publicly came from his, his knocking on doors for two years. He said it was the equivalent of getting like a master's in communication was knocking on doors, right? Like most people listening to this are like, I'm not going to fucking knock on doors. Knocking on doors sucks. There's dogs, there's guns, there's 
you know, God knows what, nose. what's nose. That's what we're all scared no, of. That's no. what people are really scared of. It's the no. no you're not no, afraid of the nose. <laughs> you're afraid of the goddamn no. And and you know, just like we're talking because we read a lot of books and we realize that, and we've done a lot of observation and a lot of seeking to understand, right? Not to be right. It's the seeking to understand, not to be right. You know, everyone wants to be proven right, but it's like, I'm just trying to understand it. <laughs> if, if it, like, you know, from one of my, my favorite podcasts, and a lot of what I've learned comes from a guy named Tim Ferriss, who wrote a book called The 4-Hour Workweek. It's, like, revolutionary, because we're, we're taught to work 40 hours a week, right? That That's the... That, that's the American mindset. You got to work 40, maybe even 50. Even if you, if you work 80 hours a week, wow, you know, you're the best. You're the, you're the hardest worker, most intelligent, disciplined human there is. But working smart makes you so much more over the course of your lifetime than working hard. You know, because all this shit is a fucking strategy. Like people, you move, because people move from the States to the islands because they're different strategy and different way of living. Like if you, you come here, that's why you that's what your parents is telling you like yo we don't know the strategy here you know but you fucking take your time and figure this shit out <laughs> you know it's, it's your it's it is it's your life like yeah. nobody every like i'll tell you first firsthand coming out of high school like i was desperate for a mentor i was desperate for to be around successful people to kind of like point me in the direction. Like what, what, what is it? What do you do? Right. Cause I think a lot of people think this lotto mentality, right? Like I'm going to get rich overnight or, or the quote. I hate. We don't think it, we just market it's marketed to us. Every I fucking hate day, that bro. Quote, like all it does, like being rich, all it does is take once. Like, like it takes you only one time to get rich literally one time every single day for 30 fucking years of doing the right thing and doing the, the, the hard thing hard. So this is the, the quote that I was going to say from Tim Ferriss. He had a guy on named Jersey Gregorich. And this guy said, hard choice, easy life, easy choice, hard life. So you go the easier route, right? Do the video games, do the partying, do all the dumb shit. Your life is going to be really difficult down the road because now you have no skill sets. You've been hanging around the shittiest people. You didn't travel. You didn't accumulate any money. You didn't read. But if you do the hard things now, right? Sacrifice. Well, all those other people are doing the fun stuff that social media loves to show you. You know, they're always showing you their wins and no one's showing you their losses. Is the reading, the traveling, um, the the taking risks, uh, you know, going on, going to school, doing those, doing those things that are the hard things now will set you up for an easy life down the road. I met a handful of billionaires this weekend in Miami. I'm not kidding. Mm -hmm. Literally a handful of billionaires that are billionaires with a B like a thousand million, Mm -hmm. not 1 million, a thousand of them. Mm -hmm. And one of them said to me, good luck on your journey, which literally like gave me, gave me goosebumps. But the more important thing was, he goes, if you're not failing and you're not failing often, you're not, you're not doing anything meaningful. If your life is a straight line and it's win after win after win after win, you're not winning. You're, you're just taking the, the soft, cushy route because you think yeah. Yeah. that this idea of comfort is going to give you guaranteed success. Now, getting smacked in the face with like, you know, COVID. 
losing all of your funds because you did a, you know, some stupid transaction where you didn't look at the legality of the paperwork or you, you did business with someone that you knew in your gut, you shouldn't have done business with, but you did it anyways, because you thought it was going to make you a quick buck. Those are all lessons that you kind of have to learn on your own skin. Now that's where we're pick up, pick up from, because we were talking about mentorship, right. And how you were desperate for a mentor. And yeah. we we're talking about how reading is important and podcasts important because these are mentors that are just now being that we just now have access to really that we didn't have access to like growing up. I didn't, I don't, I still to this day don't read. I all, all everything I entered, uh, take in is from audible sure. and podcasts to, sure. to what you're saying, you know, they changed my life, earn your leisure. You know, that's one that's like a financial business literacy one, you know, yeah. there's a whole bunch um, and just a whole bunch of audible books, Outwitting the Devil, Napoleon Hill, you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, the Reginald Lewis book about the first black dude to uh, acquire a billion dollar company and like realizing what that meant. Like that doesn't mean he's worth a billion dollars. He's telling you how to acquire a billion dollar company that brings in millions of dollars of revenue residually, you know, and then sell that and just the like you said mergers and acquisitions and it's like we have access to all these mentors but we don't realize it's that's the books that's the mentors and that's why it's not really publicized i mean and that should really tell us you know like one one thing that i do also have to say is like intrinsic locus of control and conviction like nobody can put that i can't put my conviction in real estate or the books that I've read into you. And you can't put the conviction you have into from sports management and, and, and business intelligence and, and marketing and podcasting into me without me fully understanding the whole scope of it. Right. And you know, the, the, the thing that I would have to say to your viewers is or your listeners is, if you want something, right, you want to learn, you have this burning desire to, to be great and to, and to expand and, and do new things, you have to do it yourself. You Trust me, a mentor is a beautiful thing. They give you cheat codes throughout life, right? They give you cheat codes. Don't do this, do that. Don't study this, study that. Read this, not that. Don't buy this, buy that. But you have to want to have that mentor come into your life, which also means now you have this internal locus of control saying, it is up to me to learn. It is up to me to become a better person, a better citizen. It's up to me to take care of my body. It's up to me to learn how to do all those things on a continuous basis, continual basis. No one's going to be like, oh, you want to be wealthy? I know so many wealthy people that are miserable. They're so poor because all they have is money. They don't have friends. They don't have family. They don't have experience traveling. They don't have any desire for the arts and, and expanding those you know, beautiful things in life because all they focused on was money. For you to expand, for you to grow, to get from point, you know, human A to human B, it has to be a burning desire within you. And whatever that is, find it, grab it, and run with it. Don't let it, don't let it go. Like what, man, I'm, I'm 28. I, I hope I have 50 good years left. 
you know, your joints start to deteriorate about that around that time. I got 50 years left. And that is a short amount of time to do what I want to do, to see what I want to see, to build what I want to build. So, you know, like whatever you're feeling now, don't, don't, don't make brash decisions. Don't, don't, you know, throw all your chips, uh, you know, on, uh, on, on one hand, but you know, whatever you're feeling, push forward, do, you know, do it now. So that's a good segue of doing it now. So from Deutsche Bank, where's your journey at gone to up until now? Man, I mean, like I said, and the door-to-door -door sales. Where I, want, I, want, I just, I want to keep saying the word failure because like for me, these, they were all learning lessons. They weren't like, you know, I, I wasn't like, you suck. You're a failure. You're never going to make anything. But these were all learning lessons that I had to go through to get to where I am now. And there's a million more I still have to climb to get to where I want to go. So I was, I was knocking on doors because I wanted to leave Florida. I, I, you know, I was in Fort Lauderdale and then Gainesville and Jacksonville. It's like, it's time to get out of this place. So I meet a phenomenal girl and, and her and I moved to Colorado together. We weren't even dating. Hopped in my car, filled the trunk, moved, moved to Colorado. I got an apartment and she got an apartment. And like, it's, we just knew in our guts that we had to do it. She was a nurse and I was an aspiring salesman. And I met these group of guys called um, Power Home Remodeling in, in Colorado. And one of their offices in Colorado, I think they started in Philly. I get in a van with these goons, literally these like these goons that became another fraternity almost. We're knocking on doors, snow's dumping on us, dogs getting released, people coming to the door with shotguns. Then there's also people that are like, come in for dinner, um, meet my family, meet my dog. Um, tell me what's wrong with the house. So I was selling home remodeling packages and, you know, it's the people who are like, get the off my property who end up the next day spending $65,000 on new windows and siding. It's like, what? And then the, the ones who are like, I love you. You're great. This is phenomenal. I've been looking for this forever. Never hear from them again. It's random. Um, I left that job and started working for a family. no, an ex, the one who I broke up with in Jacksonville, her family, uh, um, a guy that I had met through conversation, her cousin, and I, you know, we hit it off. We had a lot of very similar um, experiences in life and, and we both were very hungry to just grow and expand. And he took me on his team and that's where I learned business development. So it's not just sales, there's marketing, there's business development, there's sales, uh, search engine optimization, digital experience. Like it's not just advertising, advertising not just knocking on doors. Now it's, it's, you gotta be, you gotta have an online presence, an online storefront. And that was a, a jewelry company. I was selling jewelry. And, um, you know, I, 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 I got to travel to Montreal. I got to travel all over the country and I learned so much there. And then you know, I failed forward. I, I got let go because the business wasn't growing at the rate that they wanted it to grow at. And maybe, maybe I wasn't growing at the rate that I wanted to grow at. So while I was with, you know, the, the person that I was with in Colorado, her and I had moved to San Francisco. And are you starting to see how these random things just are happening? The reason these random things were happening was because I fucking said yes to everything. 
like everything, any opportunity. Yes. These random kids want to go to dinner. Yes. These people want to fly to uh, Seattle for the weekend. Sure. Let's go. You know, even though I was so deep in debt because I didn't have cash, all my money was spent on my college education. um, I ended up, I end up in Colorado, in San Francisco, and I learn about tech sales. Oh, there's a company called Angel List that is literally linked in a list of all these tech companies. You know, if you're 16 listening now, 18, go on Angel List. Look at the companies that are being, that are about to be the new Ubers and Apples and Amazons. They're all on there. And I found a company called Better.com, and and I was started selling mortgages, and then I got into real estate, and they moved me out to New York. And then I was talking to, you know, multimillionaire real estate investors and single family homeowners. And it's just like, oh, man, it's just, it just kind of snowballed. And then I learned about equity. I got a piece of the company that gave me stock. Um, and then that kind of like was when I'm in downtown New York, I'm in the financial district in seven world trade, the building closest to the world trade center. And my desk is directly looking over this, the, 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 where um, the Twin Towers used to stand, the memorial. So it was like a powerful energy, like every single day, you know, like this shit is not like to be taken for granted. Like you gotta, you gotta work hard. You gotta do what you, you know. And, um, and, and I, I just call phone calls, literally hundreds of phone calls a day, emails, phone calls, getting yelled at by my boss, just like, but, but it shaped me. And, and I, I, that was kind of like the first year of success that I got to experience. And so that's, that's kind of like all my professional work life. Mm-hmm. The stuff that's more important to me, more exciting to me is my entrepreneurial stuff. Right. So I, I had to wear the shirt, had to represent Darshan group. So, ah, okay. Let's go. So I started Darshan group you know, in spirit back in like 2017, but it was, I wasn't really until I I purchased the LLC back in 2019 that Darshan group kind of like took off. And um, by taking off, I mean, buying a duplex and having absolutely no plan, no contractors, no title people, no mortgage people, no agent, nothing. All I knew was from knocking on doors in Colorado that I needed to own one of these things come hell or high water. I, I bought a property with an FHA loan, 3% down, um, which is a phenomenal program for people to get into homes with so little cash. Um, and you can buy a house and be able to be a homeowner. And, and, you know, if you buy a duplex or a triplex, you live in one and rent out the others. It's called house hacking. So I bought. Is that what you it, did? Duplex? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I moved in one side, rented out the other. Before you go into that, talk about what, since you did all this without all these people. So how'd you, how'd you make the deal happen? Talk, uh, walk us through the, some of the, some of the talk track and so some before, and before the mortgage, contract, how'd you get the contract? Or would you so make before the, contract? the mortgage company better.com? I was working at Bixler's, which was the, the, um, jeweler company. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I would get my work done like super quickly. Right. So, and, and it's also East West coast. So, 
you know, two o'clock there is five o'clock East coast. So, you know, two 33, I'm, I'm done. So I'm laying on the couch. My girlfriend's at the, like working at the hospital and I'm just like, there's gotta be a way to make money while sitting on your ass. There has to be. Um, so I go on YouTube, how to make money while you sleep. First guy that pops up, a uh, very controversial name, Grant Cardone. I start watching everything that he produced. Net operating income, cap rates, how to acquire buildings, how to, how to survey buildings, how to look for you know, um, poor management, how to renovate a property, uh, you know, kitchens and bathrooms. Uh, how to get the, the highest quality tenants with good credit scores. So I start making phone calls from Redfin and Zillow, just blasting calls. I think I spoke to, I'm not kidding, 150 agents in South Florida. Show me duplexes. So show me duplexes. Show me single families. Like send, I was getting inbound leads from these agents. So there was one that I ended up just like really clicking with and he was sending, he sent me a deal and, and I just, one day I just gave up. I was like, I can't do this shit anymore. It's too stressful. I don't have the money. It's over. I had a couple of beers. I was, you know, hanging out with some friends and I get a text about a duplex and this gut instinct in me goes, you are, you are closing this one again, come hell or high water, whatever needs to be done. You're getting this apartment. You're getting this duplex. Got it under contract. I remember the day my heart was racing at like 200 miles a minute and we got it under, I got it under contract and, and dude, I, I had like $8,000 to my name and I needed 17,000 to close. So my girlfriend at the time lent me 5,000 and my boy lent me another five and my dad, you know, scraped together 3,000. So I finally had enough and I got in there and I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea who was going to fix the kitchen and bathroom, who was going to paint the outside, who was going to get tenants in there. And literally through fear, I, I was like, please, like I need to fucking figure this out. Called everyone I knew, please get me a contract. I was getting these insane bids, $50,000 for kitchen and bathroom, $40,000 for kitchen and floors. And then this guy, Raf comes in and he, looks at the, at the premise and he goes, great, I'll start on Monday. I'm like, what do you mean you'll start on Monday? He goes, I'll start on Monday. I'll do the whole thing for 20,000. Exterior, interior, everything. And I was like, oh my God, like, oh yes, like, let's do it. So I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I didn't even know what his work looked like, but I, I, I did it because I knew it had to be done. If, if I didn't do that, this thing would have been sitting and then I wouldn't have had tenants in there. And then I would have went bankrupt and lost the property and it would have foreclosed. So I just kept pushing, dude. I literally racked up credit cards to fix this damn thing. Mm -hmm. I paid them through PayPal via credit card. So let me ask you a question. <laughs> Were you eligible for that? There's like an investor's loan or did you not want to be this property to be treated as an investment property? Because isn't there such thing as like an investment loan that... So investment loans, because, all right, so you own a home and I own a home. You live in the home and I own the home and I have tenants in there. Who is more likely to default on it and not pay the mortgage? 
someone who's living in the home yeah. or someone who's not living in the home? Yeah. Me. Yeah. You? Me. It's your home. Do you want to be homeless? No, you're going to pay your mortgage. Okay, true. If I've got tenants in there and they stop paying me, oh, well, whatever. I'll survive. Mm. Let the bank take it. So investment loans inherently, naturally, are more risky, so higher interest rates. But like I said, if you really want to do it, you're going to make the phone calls. You're going to knock on the doors to be like, I need a mortgage. I need a mortgage. I, 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 need, I need a loan. I need to get into this game ASAP. So because I lived in it, I was able to do an FHA loan, which is um, first, first time home buyer, federal housing administration. So there's a million ways to skin the cat. You just have to start skinning the damn cat. Like, and was it, was it Grant Cardone who taught you about the FHA loan? And uh, No, no. He taught me about just like, he gave me the drive and the hunger all of that stuff came from this podcast called Bigger Pockets. So Bigger Pockets, they were the one who kind of introduced me to, hey, if you buy a hundred properties, you buy one property and then you refinance it and then buy two and then refinance by four and then 16 and then 256, you start to like scale compound, like eighth wonder of the world compound interest you end up getting to hundred units and each one, let's say you get 200 bucks a month. That's $20,000 a month in rental income. Like, I don't know about you, but like, that's a phenomenal life for me. That's a house on the water. That's a boat. That's the car. That's, that's the traveling anywhere and eating that's whatever the luxuries that pays for the luxuries. Exactly. But you have to get there like through, through, through making the phone calls. And- yeah. Through, through jumping through effort through jumping off of the cliff you know like like what's his name always says um richard branson the guy who created um virgin galactic virgin airlines jump off the cliff build the plane on the way down trust me you're not going to want to die so you're going to want to build that plane quickly so you learn you make the phone calls it forces you into now if i could go back and do it all again the only thing i would do differently is Learn how to model, model out the project before you just jump in. Cause like, I literally had a heart attack every single night before bed that this thing was not going to work out. When you talk about model, you're talking about once you got the duplex, like making it look better, fixing it up, that type of thing. No, I mean, by modeling, I mean, knowing how much the mortgage is going to cost each month, how much, dude, I didn't know I was going to have to pay for utilities and trash and water. Mm. I thought the tenants had to, but I had to, right? So I had to pay for utilities, trash, and water. I had to pay for um, taxes and insurance. No one talks about those. Those lovely things. Yeah, so I might say educate us. So what is property tax? Like, what what does that mean? Is that something that's charged every year? And Property tax is, is a tax that you pay to the government for having your house on that plot of land in a city. Um, you know, it's usually in Florida about, I'd say 1% of the home value. So let's say 500,000 bucks, you're going to probably pay about 5,000. Oh. Um, and then insurance is homeowners insurance is if a hurricane comes and rips a roof off and knocks the house down next to it, you don't have to cover your roof. 
to pay for the roof and pay for the person next door. The insurance company does. Um, so insurance is, is also another thing. Utilities, keeping the lights on and the electricity going, water, um, and maintenance, right? Shit breaks. Like sh shit is going to break. It is, it will break. Like whatever you think is not going to break, write that down and say, this is going to break. How much can I budget for it breaking? Um, light bulbs, plumbing, electrical, HVAC, which is, um, kind of like the insulation that keeps the house warm from, from getting too hot or too cold. Uh, attic. There's so many variables that go into it, but it's still a very simple game. Cause at the end of the day, when you learn how to model these things, you know where risks can pop up, right? You always want to make your expenses more than you think they are and make your revenue or profits or income less than you think they are. Trust me from experience. That's 10 times out of 10, how it's going to go. So yeah. I, so now, I, so yeah. now transitioning to Dark Fan <laughs> Group, right? So is that your ultimate goal? Are you looking to to house hack and slowly build your? So I after I sold that property, I panic sold because, uh, like, again, I had under I had miscalculated how expensive the ownership was going to be. Right? I was there were months I was making money. There were months I was losing money. You know, so it was like. The end of it was kind of like break even, but I bought it at, you know, at a certain price. And then it went up through appreciation because real estate typically, not always, typically gets more expensive over time because land and houses are, are becoming more scarce as more people are, you know, population growth. So how long did you, how long did you wait until you sold it? I, so I bought it July, 2015. No, 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 no. J July, 2018 and sold it September, 2019. So it was a little over like a, about a year and a half. Okay. I remember I saw I went, bro, I was trying to sell this thing. <laughs> I was trying to sell this thing every day. It was, so, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I was so afraid. So I sold it and, and thankfully, you know, I, I, I made some profits on it and I took all of the initial money that I invested plus the profits. And I was like, I can't stop. I have to keep going. I got to keep the momentum. So I bought a portfolio of properties in Rochester, New York, super high yielding, right? Dude, there, there are homes there for 20 to $50,000 that rent the same amount as a 150 to $250,000 place in Florida. Wow. So you can literally get five times the income. Now, one thing you need to learn is with, with great reward comes great risk. Guess what happened when COVID started? Everyone did. <laughs> People stopped paying. Yeah. So, you know, in, 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 yeah, pretty much they, they dipped from, from paying their mortgages <laughs> and their rent. So there's risks in this game and, and, and I, and I sold it and I took the money and, you know, now I'm going on to the next thing. Um, and, and I think the next thing is probably going to be real estate development um, where I'm building something because at this point you kind of have to, like, you got to keep jumping ladders. Like you got to keep jumping scales. Cause like I could keep growing the, the rental portfolio, but like, I'm not in it for rents. Like 
I'm trying to make profit. I'm trying to grow and build something that I can physically see and, and operate as a business because it is a business, right? Mm-hmm. You're building the business and then the income from the rentals is, is the revenue, is the sales. Mm-hmm. So what, what about housing has made you stop and be like, this is, this is my thing? Because throughout your whole journey, it's, it's, it's really you searching for what you want to do. Like you've people, met, people, you know, people ask me that. People ask me that all the time. And, and to be honest with you, I think it came from a place of, of insecurity. You know, like growing up, my, my parents, you know, they weren't like, you know, if you mess up, you're homeless, we're going to kick you out on the street. But like when I was 18, that, that was it. Like I, I, student loans, I had to take out on my own. I had to work throughout college. I had to, I, I, I was on my own. So shelter was always like this thing that it was just fascinating with me. Cause I was like, any first time I make a dollar, I'm going to try and buy a property. Like I need a home. I don't want to keep paying rent. I hate paying rent. So when I was knocking on doors and then I watched Grant Cardone and, and obviously Florida, there's so many homes. Like there's just this thing in my head, this flywheel that starts to spin in my head. And I'm like, look, 80% of self-made millionaires in this country started in real estate. I think it's actually 90%. So nine out of 10 multimillionaires in this country that weren't given a dollar by their parents started in real estate because the barriers to entry are so low. The government wants you to own property. They want you because they don't want to have to pay for your housing. They want you to work and buy home. So there's so many ways to, to, to skin the cat. As I said, you know, house hacking, flipping, wholesaling, um, buying condos, uh, you know, syndicating deals where you, you and all your boys or you and all your girls grab a bunch of money, a pot of money, and you buy something together and you split it up into a pie. So, I, I knew I needed to get into it because you it's one of those things that you can kind of do on your own for a little bit. And, you know, I, I'm just, I, I do, I've always had that lone wolf mentality, you know, wrestling is a lone sport. Traveling is a lone sport. Um, so I, I knew I just had to do it, but, you know, fortunately a kid that I went to the university of Florida with someone, you know, uh, get a menace. G is, yeah you know, the kid is just, he's, he's got a, he's got a computer in his head and he sees things differently than I do. And, um, <clears throat> I think I'm also a little bit more brash and emotional than he is. So we kind of like counterbalance each other perfectly. So him and I are probably getting into some deals together and it wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't, didn't go on my own and it wouldn't have happened if he didn't go out on his own. Cause he had to take a bunch of risks as well to get to where he is. So it, it's like, a lot of it is luck and randomness, but a lot of it is just like, I never took my foot off the gas. I just, I knew I needed to keep pushing and keep pushing. Cause I, I was that kid in, in South Florida. That was like, you know, I, I can stay here or I can, you know, I can spread my wings and, and, and go as far as I want to go. Yeah. I, and I think to you, to your point, it's almost like people don't realize there's really no such thing as self-made. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I know it gets talked about. A lot of people talk about it once they reach their success. But people need to realize when people say that self-made and all that, they're saying that because they're trying to sell you on them. 
Yeah. You know? They don't want to give the credit to other people. Yeah, and it's 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 their moment. It's it's you know what I'm saying. So they're promoting them, and at the end of the day, they're trying to. Because what happens is when they promote themselves, that person who knows they're helping, you know, if they helped in a certain way, the people who helped in a certain way are going to get rewarded. Yeah. You know, it's like the the owner, the one who owns the masters doesn't say, I don't give a fuck if you say I own this shit or not. But every time you say you self-made, I get self-paid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a really good point. That's you know what really I mean? So it's like the people, we all need to realize that, you know, for me, especially i think that's especially like in a man thing too is because like as men you're taught to be like you know figure this out and especially especially if you have no mentor that you've never had a mentor one that really you rocked with you know what i'm saying it's like you're just thinking i just gotta do all this thing on my own you know what i'm saying and then because that's just my situation yep. and it makes you realize you have to get really, like you said, hurt or in a bad situation to make you realize, like, I need some help. All right. Terry Cruz, Terry Cruz, arguably like the most masculine guy in the United States, uh, the guy from from White Shit. He he talks about toxic masculinity all the time, right? Because as men, we're grown up to be like, don't fucking cry. Shut up and do it on your own. Work harder. Nobody gives a shit about your feelings or your emotions. But you know, like we're humans, like we have emotions, like we all want love, we all want affection, we all want gratitude, we all want to be accepted. Um, so like if I, I wish when I was younger, my ego wasn't so in the way of me learning new things and, and trying to meet new people, because if I had just asked for help a little bit earlier on, maybe I would have been further because if you want to go fast, like, like I said, do it on your own. You want to go fast. You want to bang out calls and, and, and get contracts signed and go drive and see properties or, or buy businesses or start businesses, go ahead and do it on your own. But you go so much further when you have a, a tight knit group that cares about your success and you care about their success. Um, that like that lone wolf mentality, it works. But nobody, as you said, is self-made. Like, I want to say so badly, like, man, I got it out the mud. I did that shit on my own. Nobody helped me. But my dad moved from one country to here to put a roof over my head to get me into a school system that ultimately got me into Florida to get me into where I am now. Same with you. Your mom, you know, came from, I, 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 don't, I don't remember. Jamaica. Jamaica. Your mom came from Jamaica to, to start a better life for you and your family. Right. And like we could say, you know, we did this shit on our own. No, nah, they did that shit for us. That's a fact. That's a fact. And, and, and it's, I mean, especially, you know, cause we're, we're in the process of building the success in the portfolio. But I think I, the reason why I like having people like us is because you got to realize like, if you don't enjoy these, uncomfortable moments where it's like I know I talk about it like being a sports agent and then having your opportunities taken away from you and everything you think you planned you know what I'm saying it's like the old proverb when you not even a proverb but you hear so many times in successful people's lives when you read these books they all say like I had everything lined up everything this and that and then this ninth wonder of the world hit <laughs> and then it was uh, uh do I want to quit or do I want to continue moment and 
everyone who knew that what they have, what they value, what their skill set is, if they knew they knew it was legit, they just kept continuing. And then what happens is, like you said, you get placed in another opportunity to learn another lesson. And it all adds up and, and, and builds upon itself if you want it to, if you're intentional about letting it, and then it leads into that moment. And then you get that confirmation, you know, uh, not coincidence moment. And I was interviewing uh, Malik Zaire a couple, a couple weeks ago, right? The former Gators quarterback. And he's like, you know, check your process if no progress. And I thought that was a dope ass line because that's so true. It's like a lot of times you have to realize why is this not going the way I want it to go? You know, and now people don't take the time to like self-evaluate because there's multiple ways of what that means. That can mean you're in the right profession, the right career, but you're doing it all the, the wrong way, like the completely wrong way. Like what you mentioned right now is like <clears throat> Malik, <clears throat> excuse me, Malik could have gone, he could have done one of two, he could have said one of two things, right? The, the, the thing that someone who's not self-aware would have said is uh, that my team sucks, the line sucks, my coach sucks, uh, I got injured and I never wanted to fix it. Or what a self-aware, intrinsically motivated, intelligent person would say is, I'm doing something wrong. My process is fucked up. I need to go back and, and look at my current operation, my current day-to-day -day process and see if I'm not making progress, what did, what am I doing wrong? And it takes a, a super self-aware person to go ahead and say, if I'm not growing, it's on me. It's not everyone around me. It's on me. That's the hardest thing is letting, you know, pushing that ego aside and, and really taking accountability. Do you think it takes reaching a, a like a, a fuck up moment, like a super fuck up to like, to get that. Yeah. I, do. <laughs> I mean, that's because at the end of the day, that's me. That's the reason why I had a super fuck up and that's how I was able to get that. And it's, and it's like, it's, it's crazy because you know, like this whole thing is like, we try to mention all this and that, but then it's like, you really get down to the crux of it. It's like, you really got to push the limits on something and really fuck it up. <laughs> Because you're going so hard. If you don't, if you don't fuck it up, like how do you know if you're going hard? How do you know if you're doing it the right way? How do you know that you're making any progress? If it's going perfectly, if it's going perfect to plan, why isn't everybody else doing that? No, but I'm not even saying I'm not even saying that. I'm saying like a personal fuck up. Like yeah, like like yeah, like. Like not uh, like my career, like not that I'm oh, talking oh, about oh, yeah. a personal yeah. fuck up. And I yeah. think, you know, it, it's a sad. I think that's really sad, but I think that's really true. And I think. Do you, do you want to go ahead and tell people what the personal fuck up was? And I'll go ahead and say mine. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think for me, it was excessive, like drinking to cope with shit that I didn't know I needed to cope with. And once I lost something I really cared about, I was like, oh, oh, let me, let me reevaluate what's going on here. Oh yeah. 
that that what you just said is self-awareness, which is which is something a lot of our peers maybe haven't obtained yet. But it takes an extremely self-aware and extremely talented and intelligent person to realize what you realize. Like I could have, you could have just kept drowning yourself in alcohol and trying to numb the pain of coping with whatever the fuck it was you needed to cope with. But instead we went to the easy dopamine, right? Drinking and partying and doing all the things that, that seem to fix things, but in reality just hurt you so much more. Right. Like you said, you, you lost something that, that was dear to you. So did I, I didn't know that I was going through something mentally and that I had kind of like this, you know, this, this mental problem for my entire life. And so did a lot of people in my family, but nobody wanted to talk about it because, you know, it's weakness. That's, that's real. Mental health is, is everything. And, and a lot of kids our age, they don't even realize they're coping and, and, and masking this pain of issues that they need to deal with at the core, at the root of the issue. They're covering it up with drugs and alcohol and partying and, and girls or guys and all the things that are literally vices in, in the, the Bible and the Torah and, and all the other religious um, you know, organizations. Like those are sins because after those are done, like you usually don't feel good about yourself. So you lost something because you were coping with a problem and it took a massive loss, a monster amount of pain for you to be like, damn, something needs to change. I need to fix the root of the problem. And cause yeah. my heart and my intentions are pure. I got spared. And that's yeah. the thing too. I, I realized that like a lot of situations where it's like most people get spared cause they got a good heart. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. The higher yeah, I can give you, yeah, you know, because when you're intentional, like even I always try to do good, even though I was not in the right mind, you know, I was in the right mind enough, you know. Yeah. So when I made my blunder, it it was what it was. So that's why I'm saying, like, too, a lot of people don't realize, like, the success a lot of people have really comes from some pain. But then here's another thing that I realize, like, no one really cares though. At the end of the day, you know. No, besides, like, maybe your parents, if they rock with you, because remember, some parents don't rock with their kids. You know what I'm saying? A, a, a staggering amount, you know, really don't. So it's like, no one really cares about these problems. They just want, they want to see you overcome them. And then now they're interested in hearing about it. Sure. Sure. You know? it's, uh, um, it's, it's, it's definitely an issue that, I think the world is bringing to light, you know, via, via social, right. Social media is such a double-edged sword. It, it causes <clears throat> depression and anxiety and PTSD and all this stuff, but it's also bringing to light anxiety, depression, ADHD, bipolar disorder, all of these, these mental health issues that people for, for ages were masking with, with alcohol and, and self-harm and drugs and, and all that. They didn't even know how to describe it. They didn't know exactly. They didn't know the pain that they were feeling. They didn't know what was causing it. Now there's scientific <clears throat> psychological studies and, and tests that are showing how to treat these things and how to fix these things. So it's, it's a phenomenal thing that that's happening, but, you know, still, 
we, we still have so, so far to go because, you know, family life and family health causes in a way, either your mental health or your lack of it. So a lot of kids, they're, the, the psycho childhood psychology is everything. Like if you're in a house where mom and dad come home and they hug you and they kiss you and they give you a plate of food and, you know, comb your hair and read you a bedtime story, like you're going to have a good life. But when you're coming home to a single mother, a single father, and they start screaming at you because they're, they're depressed or they're anxious and they're stressed and they don't even know it. You're, you don't even know that you're harming this child and shaping this child's whole future. Um, and it's, <clears throat> it's good that it's being brought to light now, but I mean, for, for God knows how long, hundreds of years, thousands of years, this has been going on. And I would like to see oh, that. Change. It goes on every day right now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you got to think about it. Our generation's really the first to have access and understand and, and will, and would be willing to implement this, you know, our, what 20 probably like 24 to like 35 you know males is like the first ones that like and and, and females are like okay because you know women have more intuition so they are kind of saying this a little bit 100 you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying they, they, they said all this they said all this but it's now it's like our generation's advanced enough and the research is out there enough and we're able to see it to even understand what is what is going on with it, I I, I implore you know anyone who, who gets a hold of this to just like <clears throat> just practice self awareness, right? Like if you see like you're getting mad at someone for something, right? Like really dig deep and try to understand what is it, right? Like have you not gotten enough sleep? Have you been drinking maybe a little bit too much? Is your diet off? Are you stressed about work? Are you concerned about something? Are you anxious about something in the future that may or may not happen, right? Like breaking it down to its fundamental components breeds self-awareness. And wealthy people are wealthy because they're self-aware, right? Like wealth is a byproduct. Wealth is a byproduct of self-awareness, of happiness, of taking care of your mental and physical health. All of these components breed wealth. Wealth doesn't that's wealth it. doesn't make those things. I, I don't, I don't know. You don't strike me as the kid who, who would be this way. But like when I was a kid, I was just like, please, like somebody fucking point me in the right direction. Like I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, bro. I, I say that I say like, I'm chasing this basketball thing. Like deep down inside, I know this is not my shit. I got cut <laughs> sixth, seventh and eighth grade, but Cause I was so passionate. I was just so, I'm so competitive and I'm, yeah. I like to like prove myself wrong. You know, I end up playing basketball all four years in high school. I never, I got cut every year in middle school. I had no one training me, no nothing. I was just, I'm like, yo, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to figure this out and know what I know now. I wish someone would have directed me into like, yo, use that brain. But it's like, no one, no, no one really was doing anything that's like, this is how I can use my brain to yeah, like. We didn't know. We you didn't know. know. You know what I'm saying? And the options I'm seeing, I'm not seeing. We didn't have the iPhone. <laughs> when did I like high school? You know, I didn't get a, I didn't get an iPhone until college. Yeah, college. I was, 
I was flip phone texting, hitting seven, four times to get. I was to- saying ask G's, bro. We had ask G's. We didn't have Google, <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying. And it's and it's just like deeper than rap. It's just like yo, I'm people that look like me weren't even in none of these situations fifty years ago, sixty years ago. You know, like I have a great grandfather, ninety four, bro. He's seen a. He's seen a lot. Imagine that. Like, those eyes have seen a lot and experienced a lot. And he's lived a totally different life than you will. Exactly. You know, just like the people born right now in 2021, they're going to live a completely different life than what we live. I hope, you know, I hope this, another book that I just got recently called The Art of the Good Life by Rolf Dobelli. Um, When you really focus on it, when you when you take time to meditate and appreciate all that we have, right? I woke up this morning. I'm breathing. Um, I can walk. I can eat. I have a roof over my head, right? When you meditate on those things and you appreciate kind of the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and you and you really tell yourself. I have really everything that I need. Anything incremental above that should be pure bliss, pure happiness, right? But we catch ourselves like, ah, oh, I hate this shirt or these shoes suck or I can't believe they that avocado on my sandwich was was not ripe. Like we, we you really have to be aware to know that we should be thankful and appreciative every single day that we're on this planet because memento mori, you know, be mindful of your death because it, it can come out of nowhere. Where we saw it with COVID, we see it with people overworking, drug and alcohol addiction, car accidents. Like you can be taken from this life at any moment. You need to do everything you can to either be enjoying and having fun, produ- producing and building something worthwhile or resting. If it's none of those, like, what are you doing? It's time wait, to time to tweak the process. Wait, because I, I I gave some of mine. So your yours was drinking too. Mine was okay. So I don't know if you could see, but like every scar on my face is from alcohol. <laughs> every scar on my face it was resu- a result of alcohol. Mm-hmm. Every altercation, every bad conversation, alcohol. Every like literally every bad experience of my life. Now I'm not going to say like, I, I, I just drank this whole past weekend. I was celebrating in South Florida with friends, but modesty and discipline and um, just like balance. You need to know when to and when not to. It can't be all the time. And I don't think it should be never, but yeah, I mean, some of the worst things in my life came from, from, from drinking and, and just, saying and doing dumb shit from that and the thing is too is like what people don't realize you know is that most of the time is like you don't even remember you don't even know that's that's really like the sad and unfortunate part too it's 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 exactly what you said covering up something that you can't face if you can't face it sober and you can't face it alone what makes you think that being surrounded by people who are also 
selfish and coping with their own shit and drinking. What do you, what makes you think that that's going to fix it? The thing is too, I, you know what, it's, it's, it's one of those crazy things too, where it's like, you also have to, you also have to, I, I don't know like what made me realize like, damn, you know what it is? Here, here's how you know you have something. When a certain image or a certain movie scene, like it plays like, it, it, it plays like it happened, it's happening right now. You know what I'm saying? And that's when I realized like, because I remember I had talks with my boy and he would be like, yeah, bro, you remember like you used to call me and like, I'm like what? You know what I'm saying? Because shit is crazy how traumatic situations, like, and especially, you know, when you go through it as you don't have, especially when you have no, like, no mentor, like, no male as, as a man, like, no person that could, like, all right, let me chat. You. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it, it becomes very, very challenging. And I know that for me, what helped me get self-awareness, because I had nothing. I, I say I woke up at 24 years old, like two, three years ago. That's when I woke up. You know what I'm saying? And it took Napoleon Hill outwitting the devil for me to like, <clears throat> that made me gain self-awareness. And that made me realize like, we, we have millions of thoughts every day and they're not our thoughts. They're just thoughts. And it's, we have the choice to attach ourselves to those thoughts or not attach ourselves to those thoughts. hundred percent. But I didn't, until I reading that book, I didn't realize it was that deep. It was that, you know, like. Out, out, Napoleon Hill, it was just so far ahead of his time with. Crazy, bro. Thinking grow rich. And, but like, you know, it, it's, he says, not just him, but like, everyone who's like self-actualized, like the most successful, happy, intelligent, fulfilled people on this planet, you know, they, they say the same thing. Like we have bad thoughts. We have good thoughts. Take the bad thoughts, literally put them in a container, throw them in a box, you know, seal it up and put it on a shelf and tell yourself, this is literally like, advice from my therapist that, that got me through that really dark period of my life. Um, she said, you know, put, put these thoughts in a box, lock them up and put them on the shelf. And when they come back, just know, all right, just put them back in the box and put them up on the shelf again. And you keep doing this and you realize, Oh, wait, all these negative thoughts that are coming up in my head, I don't have to act on them. They're not, they're not who I am. And, and I now have a tool to, to compartmentalize them and put them away. And now the positive thoughts, I have room for the positivity, for friendship, for all the good things in life, travel, food, growth, learning. So, yeah. but it takes, it takes a lot of hours of work to dude. like, like I just said, I'm saying out loud in front of everyone. I see a therapist. My therapist says, I see a therapist. I'm a PhD in medicine to, to, to prescribe medicine and, and diagnose the human brain. And I see a therapist, what makes you think you should see one? So like, 
I, if, if you're going through anything, like you're in a dark period, things are hard, like there's help, get help. There's people out there. Talk to people, like talk to good people, people that you trust um, and, and, and know that there's, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Like this is not, it's not the end. It's not, it gets better. You just, you just have to push through it and, and, and you have to have, you know, good, good group of people around you. Yeah. I would say for me, I had, I just had good people, you know, uh, because I didn't, I never, I haven't ever used a therapist. And for me, it was that book, Outwitting the Devil and realizing that I need more books, <laughs> you know, I, it's been really books and then just like, like friends, but that are not that close to me. Unbiased opinions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just be, just as a way, not even unbiased opinions, but just, they don't know my background. Yeah. That's what a therapist is. They just, there's someone that you can talk to that doesn't know your background and, and they're able to just take it for what it is. And because a lot of, we need a vent as men, <laughs> as crazy as it is, you know, it's, it's like every human needs to vent, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and needs to like own up to what bothers them <laughs> and what pisses them off and, and what scares them in like, that's, 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 that's the one thing I would, that's literally the one thing I would say to, you know, the, the younger generation, especially the kids near where we grew up in South Florida, like, like it's okay to be angry. Like it's okay to feel that frustration and, and just like, you know, <clears throat> want to take it out on the field or take it out on your friends or, you know, but it would be so much easier if they had just had a, a safe environment to go ahead and divulge those things, whatever it is, the, the, the their, their personal life, their family life, um, you know, their, their struggles with school or whatever it may be, like just having somebody to talk to, but like some, someone who, who's, who's trained in that field. So I, like I said, I mean, I, I know we're keep harping on this point, but like, I'm really excited to see what happens over the next few years with uh, mental health awareness and, and um, you know, learning more about mental illness and learn about more, learning more about the, the, our cognitive functions as humans. And I think technology is going to kind of segue that and, and push it forward. And, and it's, it's all exciting stuff, man. So, so, you know, there doesn't need to be a Joey or Charles 2.0. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and you know what I'm saying? But the thing is, it's, it's, here's, here's the thing now. How does that, is that going to, how is that going to get implemented? You know, and that's why I think I take pride in this as being one of those places where, you know, that type of mindset and that type of conversation is going to be had because, look at our school system, right? I'm talking with guidance counselors and they're telling me this shit is messed up. <laughs> what Everything, the system is outdated, you know? And there's no plans whatsoever to change it. There's no plans in the near decades yeah. of nothing to change it. So it's like, yeah, everything, everything is advancing outside, but it's like, we're getting all our knowledge and tutelage and training and culture assimilation in this one spot. 
absolutely. And, and, and so that's, like the, that's where the rubber meets the road. And it's like, what, what was the mark that you left on people? And, and that's, that's, that's kind of like the older I get, that's, you know, uh, look, I, there's a lot of people out there that, that think I'm an asshole and, and think that, you know, I, um, am, am aggressive or a hard ass or mean or whatever, but all those things came from me projecting my own insecurities out onto everybody else. And it took me a lot of self-work to realize, man, no, you're, you're going to lose a lot of good people if you continue to act this way. So, you know, learning that and, and just trying to, just trying to be good to people, be good to people that you'd be surprised how, how far that takes you. Man, when I realized that, like, I know what I realized that with my sarcasm, bro. And I remember someone saying, there's this, there's this lady therapist and she was like, sarcasm is really hidden anger. And I was like, damn. Happy people don't use sarcasm. Yeah, bro. And I, and I, and I, and I realized like, I, I, when she said that, I was like, damn, that makes a whole lot of sense why I stopped really being sarcastic with people a lot. You know, because I really have died down really my I think people like, think sarcasm is like the only form of comedy. Like you can be funny, but you yeah. don't have to put other people down yeah. doing it. What makes you want to do the work and what makes you don't want to do the work? <laughs> it goes back. That That's a philosophical question that, you know, the, the, the godfathers of philosophy, Aristotle and Plato and Socrates were all trying to answer, you know, like what what is motivation? What is passion? Why are those things a thing, right? Like, why are we the only animal that we are aware of that has a, co a conscious, right? So far, we know we're the only ones with a conscious, but like, it's, it's, uh, it's just one of those things that, even, like, if you want to be, you want to just coast throughout life and you want to enjoy life, like, that's fine. And that could be success. And that, and that's, if that's success for you, that's success for you, you know, but like, I, I, I want to make an impact on my community. I want to see the world. Like I'm going to Mexico city for all of June and I'm going to Colombia for all of July. And from there I might go to visit family in Israel, or I might go to um, Japan because it's always been in my mind. Cause I love sushi and I love the culture and the quality that the, attention to detail that the Japanese have. So um, I, I, that's a great question. I don't know where it comes from, but it, it you. And that's where, and that's where I think, that's where I think astrology kicks in, you know, because now the older I get and the more I do, I've gotten like I had a couple of podcasts with my girl Rudy and like she's into it and like she was breaking it down like and she was just like describing the signs that make me up and it's like that makes sense as to why like you said because not everyone's gonna move like how you want to move like when I'm ready to play not everyone can play yeah. like I want to play and then you think like and and like you said when you when you're unaware or you're not self-aware you think like and you and when you assume when you underwear and you assume, now you think, why is every no one not up to me? Why is no one seeing my talent and 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 what I'm bringing to the table? Why, like, like you said, you you blame the others, 
instead of realizing that yo i don't run shit like i'm i need to play my role until i can play a different role <laughs> you know it goes back to law of paradoxical intent right like you think you want something then as soon as you have it you're like oh wait that wasn't that wasn't what i wanted right like you, you you think you want the fame and the attention and the popularity but you only get that through skill through craft and through being a good person yeah the performance the execution execution that's everything it's everything it's it's everything i mean like because you can you can talk circles and and say for for years that you're going to do something but you know my, my 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 favorite quote growing up and it was actually like i don't have any tattoos but it was the one i was the closest to getting tattooed was um facta non verba which is latin for deeds not words and my football coach used to always say facta non verba facta non verba and growing up is like damn but like i'm so good at talking and it's so easy for me to say things acting on all the things i say is going to be impossible so what do you do to learn all right, maybe it's time to stop talking so damn much and it's time to start doing things. And for you to do things, it takes a hundred times more energy and a hundred times more effort to actually execute and get things done, right? Like I said, I wanted to own that property for a couple of years before I did. But for me to actually do it, it took months of, of calls and paperwork and transferring money here and there and and and, and failures and, and arguments and you know, doing is very different than speaking. Yeah, very different. <laughs> very different. And and even even this, I mean, speaking is hard too, but it's it's relative though. It's it's all relative. Like for me, you wouldn't even know, but in high school, it was weird. Cause like in high school, like while I was playing basketball as a point guard, I could talk my ass off. But if it was like a public speaking situation, it was frozen. You know, I was I was frozen. Do you do you want a snowman? <laughs> I was frozen. You you thrive in people telling you no. Yeah. Well, it's not that I thrive. It's just that when you grow up moving every year, bro. Every year I'm in a new crib. When you have to live like mad families in one crib, like when you had. You know what I'm saying? When you when you're not afforded certain and then you experience certain things, you see certain things. You know what I'm saying? And you have like near tragic events happen consistently over a period of time. Yeah. It it makes you give less fucks. You know what I'm saying? It it really and it, it really and and that, those less fucks either be good or bad though. That's the thing. Yeah. Okay. You want, and you want to make people, sure that there. Not a lot of people really want to make those bad into good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the age old. Yeah. Like arc yin and yang good yeah. versus evil. Do you, do you, do you use it for good or do you use it for evil? And, you know, I, I, I think it's, um, it's easier to be good. It's easier to, it's easier to do the right thing over the long term. It's no, it's better for you. I wouldn't say it's easier. Because guess what? The truth is probably the most hated thing, 
one of the most top three most hated things. And that's a good thing. The truth is a good thing. And that's top three most hated things on planet Earth right now. Would you agree? People who people, likes the fucking truth? People don't like the truth because the truth, <laughs> the, the truth forces change and education and taking people out of their comfort zone. That's a, and that's those are all good things. They are good things. And that's the, not easy. The right people. Yeah. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. It's so it's it's, it's very it's, yeah. Life is complicated, so that's why, like you said, the, the, this isn't about no answers or no anything. It's just perspective, you know, and and realizing that, yo, you may look like this and go through that, but, and you may think that person looks like this and went through that, but in reality it's all based on how you look at your current situation and how you want to approach it, you know, and how do you want to deal with it? Because like you said, when you start pushing on others and, and, and this and that, unfortunately from our experiences, you're not going to get anywhere that you want to go and you're just further delaying the process to fix it. And that's why most people never fix it because they delayed it so long that that's why they say old people are, are, don't want to learn new things is because they know it would better it would better them, but they just feel so defeated by it that they, my, my, just, they can't change it. My, they know better. One of my favorite teachers of all time, Miss, Miss Walls, Miss Virginia Walls at, at Coral Springs High School told me, don't ever, ever stop learning. Like, do not ever stop learning, stop growing, because the minute you think you know everything and, and, and everything is gravy and you're on the top of the world and you've mastered all crafts and you know all the knowledge in the universe, like I mentioned before, that's when you start to decline and, and you, you always want to have a life of fulfillment. And for me, like you said, what is success? Success, success is happiness and motion. But what, what moves, what is the motion behind happiness? It's continuously growing and progressing and, and adding new things into your life and, and sometimes even subtracting bad things. Um, but it's, it's, all, it's all about balance and having good people and, and like, you know, the richest people in the world and you know, they've obtained all the wealth. They all say the same shit. Like the new literacy, right? It's not really reading or writing. Because now with audio, audible podcast, YouTube, you don't have to read no more. You could be functionally, functionally literate, illiterate. So now it's about learning, unlearning, and relearning. I'll, I'll challenge you and say reading sucks because it shapes the mind more so than any other form of learning. Right. Like I crush audiobooks. Like I love audiobooks. I love podcasts because I'm an auditory learner as well. But I retain and I read more. I, I, I retain more from when I read. And I also feel like I earn the information because I literally had to go word by word, line by line. So I, 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 you know, not, not to like, I'm not like, going against your point but i'm saying for everybody like 
everyone learns differently, but don't just choose one route. Don't just watch videos or don't just do podcasts or don't just read or, or don't just write. Make sure you're incorporating kind of all of that in together. Um, and, and, and the, yeah, there is a new literacy, like it, it's, it's the fucking internet. You have to know how to read. I think that's, well, cause at the end of the day, there's contracts that I mean the world is the U S business, U S life is governed by contracts. So you have to know how to read, you know what I'm saying? At the same time, that's that's just that's just how it goes at the same time you could be successful without reading in my opinion because i would say you word for word i mean line for line reading like that in order for you to internalize it though you're still gonna have to take notes 100 percent. you know what i'm saying so it's like so it's like if i listen to it and i take notes i think that's just as effective, if not even more effective, I think than reading it and then taking notes. Am I, or, or I think it's the same, the same effectiveness, the, yeah. the, the same effectiveness. There's a lot, there's a lot of people that, you know, who, who have ADD or, or learning disabilities, you know, ADHD, I have, I have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, people with learning disabilities learn by doing, by feeling, by writing, by making. Um, you know, there's so many different ways to learn and there's no one way, right? Like, you know, you don't have to be a genius at math. You don't have to be a genius at writing or English, um, or, or, you know, just someone who just is a speed reader. Everyone, everyone can obtain success in their own right. Um, but you have to find I think the hard way, I do think through hard work, you need to find kind of the best way that is for you. And for, for me, it, it is actually reading the pages and it's, it's ironically the, the one that I, I, I have the hardest time doing. So it's like those barriers, those you know, push uphill, whether it's reading, whether it's, um, you know, just personal life, like, man, it, it took me, I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm still learning nonstop how to, how to deal with, you know, cause, cause as we age, so does our family and, and our friends and, and we have to reshape our relationships with them. And that's a whole new form of learning as well. Yeah. And, and to your point, I mean, I think I'm a little biased too, because I do have a special way I need to learn <laughs> a, a more, a, a more productive way for me to learn. But at the same time, to your point, you do need to, you, you just need to know it. You need to know it and be comfortable with reading because podcast contracts, because contracts are an essential part of, if you say you want to be successful and, and you say you want wealth and all that, and you the, have to know how to read. And from what I know now, there's no audio books or podcasts on, on, on reading your, 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 uh, your contract for you. I've had to read contracts and I've misread a lot of them and, and it's cost me. So like just attention to detail, all those things, it, it all circles back into like how you do one thing is how you do everything. How you read that contract is how you do your dishes is how you make your bed is how you, you know, keep in touch with the good people in your life. Like th- that shit takes effort. It's either you have the effort or you don't. And, and, 
and and how you do one thing is how you implement everything else into your life. Yeah. What is your game plan on being a parent and like when are you going to feel comfortable having kids and why is that? It's a great point. Great question. Um, you know, I, I, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I, I think about having children pretty much every other day, you know, like I, I want to be a coach. I want to be a father. I want to be a mentor. All those things kind of bundled into one, um, a caretaker, a provider. I'm, I'm 28 now. I'm thinking probably in the next seven years, probably around 35. I want to make sure that I'm taking care of it like financially so that I can give them a good life. Right. I want to make sure that they're getting really good education, really good coaches, um, eating really well, and they feel safe, happy, and fulfilled. Because at the end of the day, that's that's all you can do as a parent. Um, but you know, there's it's it's not just about being. You can't just be a good parent. You have to be a good husband or a good wife. You have to be a good partner. You have to be a romantic partner. Um, so all of those things tie in together and, you know, I'll, I'll quote one of my favorite rappers here, Kendrick Lamar, like, but what love got to do with it when you don't love yourself? Like, what is, what, what, what does love matter at all? If you don't love who you are and, and, and who you are and what you do in that moment, um, as, as, as a person, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there that hate themselves and they take it out on their kids, which is, which is sad. And, I do not want to do that. I want to I want to make sure that I'm 100 percent um, fulfilled, happy, successful. I've got the I've got everything set up, and then and then the family comes, and and then from there it's just like I want to be full time dad. <laughs> but um, I've got a lot of exploring to do. A lot more stuff needs to be conquered and and sawed and destroyed before. <laughs> All right, so you're still selfish. <laughs> that's the easiest way to put it. Because <laughs> that's real. I mean, like, a lot of times, you know, I don't know, we're not having kids. <laughs> I think we're, we're like the generation where it's like... Yeah, people are getting dogs over children, but, like, I, I actually, I don't know. I, I feel like, I, I feel like, like, you... you you want, you want to be able to have a family and pass it down. Cause after a while, it's like, you know, you don't, you don't want to be that guy who's at the club, you know, in this mid forties. I mean, some people wait until their forties. I mean, some men have waited until their forties to have kids. That's just had a kid at 61. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> you know, look, maybe my, maybe my mind changes. Cause like, you know, something that I, I don't think I mentioned was like, I learned that through my buddy um, who's in um, physical therapy, which, you know, is, is, is its own form of medicine. The, the hormones change every seven years, right? So seven to 14 to 21, to 28, we're different people, different, different, everything, everything's changed. So the way we look at life through the 21 year olds lens is very different from a 28 year olds. And it will be different from a 35 year olds, you know, maybe what I want, and aspire to have then is not what I what I have or want now, but but who the fuck knows? I mean, that's 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 the beauty of life. It's random. So, you know? <laughs> let me ask you a question. Do you think 
you not being a parent is more based on not the right person in your life or not the right financial situation what do you think right now yeah for you for you like what do you think is the key like do you really think it's the finance or do you just think or do you think it's the right woman like if the right woman came up like and you knew that was the right one like that is the one that could have all all the baby darshes do you really think the finances would matter no <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell you, be real. Come on, man. You see, Kevin, I knew you were Kevin. <laughs> look, my logical mind wants to tell me, you know, do this, do that, have this before you settle. But life, you know, life forces you to calm down sometimes, and and that might be in the form of of a failure, it might be in the form of success, it might be in the form of a woman, it might be in the form of of you know continuously seeking and traveling and, and, and doing new things like but who knows this is the credentials we have an illustrious guest we have joey darsh joey darshan the darshan group coral springs legend university of florida legend sigep legend <laughs> theta chi legend colorado legend door-to-door salesman legend jewelry sales legend and like i said darshan group and real estate legend thank you for being part of this experience thank you for having me on brother love yeah. you